Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. Today's going to be a great day. You know why? Why? (laughs) I was like, is she going to remember? Because when you know better, you get better. And that's what we're going to do here today. And every day as a Heal Squad, we will be better together. Welcome to any new listeners. Today, we're going to be chatting with Dr. Nita Bushin, who is amazing. You guys are going to love this conversation. She's a former cosmetic dentist turned mental health coach and advocate. And uh, she wrote this really great book, That Sucked. Now what? Which I feel like we all need. Uh, Before we get to that, our quote of the day, life's a challenge. But that's the best part. Spoken from a true competitor, Venus Williams. I like that. Uh, Heel Squad, very excited to be back with you today. We have uh, a really great chat with Dr. Nita. She has gone through so much in her life. And I know that you will be able to connect with her and her journey. She's had a lot of trauma. um, And she went on this 45-country healing journey where she researched the intersection of human behavior, ancient wisdom, Eastern philosophy, therapeutic psychology. Um, and of course, coupled that with, you know, her overcoming multiple massive adversities. Um, you know, she has come out the other side and is helping people come out the other side with her. So um, really excited for you guys to hear this conversation and take some of her wisdom and tips and apply it into your life. Before we get to that, have you checked out our merch, friends? Oh, wait, this is my old mug. Oh, I have, no. I have the old mug, but we now have Heel Squad mugs. You can get a new one. <laughs> you can get a Heel Squad mug. Uh, but we have all of our Heel Squad merch on mariamenunos.com. Join us. Wear it loud and proud. Let everyone know you're a part of the squad, but also remind yourself when you're having your tea not with Better Together, but with Heal Squad. Remind yourself when you're having your tea or your coffee that you're on this journey to getting better in all areas of life. And it's baby steps, friends. Not going to be doing it all, all overnight. It takes a long time. 
So uh, check that out. Obviously, also, we are grateful to Macy's for being on board with us in 2023. So thank you to them because they help us keep the lights on and keep bringing this amazing content to you. So if you could support us by checking out Macy's.com backslash heel squad, our curated page, I choose everything myself. And so um, I've said it before, but if you're on a new health journey, fitness journey, I do have some fitness wear on there that might help inspire you if you need new things. And I've been cleaning out some of my old gear as well and replacing it with new stuff that is going to make me feel better. Um, you know, you kind of need every advantage you can get. So check that out when you get a chance. Anything you buy on that link helps us on the show. Keep doing what we're doing. And um, I guess without further ado, let's go to Dr. Nita. Now you have a, a really cool story. And uh, in, in fact, Kelsey and I were chatting this morning, how yeah. everyone always talks about your biggest challenge or, you know, your worst life circumstances, whatever it is, usually if you can, you know, keep a cool head will lead you to the pot of gold or the rainbow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you had that kind of story. And so I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your journey and, um, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can, I can definitely start at the, uh, my biggest awakening. We can go there and then work backwards. But I, you know, as it's interesting, as we kind of start the new year for me, it's always a time of renewal and it's always a time for, uh, looking back into the seasons because, at the end of December, it's usually this culmination time of me going back into what sucked. And that was the beginning of my awakening. And it was December 31st and 2011 when I decided to leave um, my marriage. And I had this full just breakdown moment of recognizing that I was living in fear. I was living for the sake of my family. And I had grown up in Chicago. And so my parents were immigrants. My dad was from India. My mom was from the Philippines. And they always taught us that, uh, you know, education and um, exceeding accolades, achievement, doing well was, was like the was the pinnacle of success. And here I am um, on my knees in this amazing home that I had worked so hard to get. I was a cosmetic dentist at the time. I wasn't even 30. So all of these amazing material things that a lot of us really strive for, especially in our 20s. And I had done all of that. And yet here I am looking at the mirror thinking like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am anymore. And Mm. how did I even get here? And so for me to even say, okay, and acknowledge, wow, I'm hurting and I'm reeling in a ton of pain right now. And to say, okay, here universe, take me as I am. I don't even know, but literally when we start to share or say out loud, what the things that we're kind of keeping in our heart or keeping in our head or keeping under wraps because we're afraid of 
being judged or we're afraid that, you know, someone's going to talk bad about us or whatnot. Uh, for me, that was the beginning of this full transformation because I would then recognize that there were a lot of things that were not healed. There were a lot of things that I was keeping up in the back closet for decades. And that includes um, my losses that I went through. I, I lost my mom, my dad, and my brother all before I was 19. And how? Yeah. So my, my journey, actually, I was a child caretaker at 10 and my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 10 years old. And so, uh, between the ages of 10 and 16, we saw her in and out of hospitals. We, I mean, I literally grew up going to my high school, which was Lane Tech, shout out Chicago, but then I would come home and I would actually not come home. I would go to Thoric Hospital, which was where she was because it was on the way home. But it was doing my homework while she was getting treatment. And at this point, when I was 14 years old, it was pretty bad. I mean, it had spread to her lungs. It had spread to her brain. And so, you know, doctors really were hopeful. But for the last year and a half of her life, she was actually in the ICU. So that's when I started my you know, my high school, that rebellious teenager. And just to have this feeling waking up every morning of like, ah, everyone has their mom and like, I'm going to take care of her. I didn't know what, how that was. I didn't really know that it was going to inform me in such a big way later on. And so a year, because you're at the age where you're supposed to be taken care of. I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, you want that, you want that closeness because my dad was actually a very strict Indian Punjabi dad. And I wasn't really connecting with him at that season and stage of my life. And all I wanted to do was talk to my mom and and she had a tube down her throat and you could see like, you know, the tears coming down her face. Cause I just remember it so vividly, you know, we would come back and I was in piano and all of these things. My brothers were younger. My brother was, you know, when I was 16 or even 14 at the time, he was 12. And then my youngest brother was nine. So we would go and we would perform for the nurses. It was very like performative. And, and, and that's kind of when I learned how to put smiles on her face because Mm. she was in such a dire state. And so for me, it was, okay, the performing gave rise to, all right, maybe that'll alleviate her suck in her situation a little bit more. And it, of course it like the Filipino nurses there and my mom's Filipino, it was, they loved it all. And so fast forward then when my mom dies at 16, um, you know, we're trying to rebuild our lives. And literally a year later, uh, my brother, um, he went to high school across the street from me and he was 15. He was a sophomore and he had an asthma attack and he apparently his inhaler, we don't really know to this day what the, you know, what, what the specifics was, but his inhaler didn't work that day and he transitioned. And so, and it was very quick. It was fast. Um, they couldn't revive him. They tried three times in the ambulance. And so that was probably one of the toughest days of my life to date. It's, uh, it was, it really informed so much of sudden death and grief because it's very different than losing a parent to totally. cancer, right? Yep. Or you have time, you grieve them before they're even gone. I lost my mom too 
to yeah. brain cancer last year. And so it's the same thing. You grieve them. My husband would catch me so often and say, Maria, you're already grieving her mm-hmm. yeah. before she's gone. And so, yeah, it's a totally different thing. It's so different in, in that sort of grief of sudden death of like, wait, what happened? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I lost my cousin to a car crash when I was 15. He was 18. So I know that feeling of you were just talking to them and now they're just gone and they're young and nobody would expect it. Oh gosh. And that totally, that that set me off on a cascade of, I just want to fit in. I don't want anybody to talk about, you know, anything (laughs) besides joy and fun because my orbit at the time was so dark. And so I remember just, you know, being a senior in high school, couldn't leave for college, had to be and stay put. And my dad went to this deep depression. Um, I had to stay and kind of, you know, resume duties of, of the house. And I had a younger brother who was five years younger and it actually happened on his 12th birthday. Talk about a shit ton of trauma. Oh my um, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so two years after that, my father uh, would be diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And that was when I'm like, God, are you kidding me? I, you know, I was raised Catholic. My mom was Catholic. My dad was very spiritual. I mean, being from India, we grew up going to the temple. We also grew up um, chanting bhajans and mantras. And, uh, and that was really a stronghold for us during this like huge, immense wave of a ton of grief. But even then, my dad had 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 no words. And he, he was like, he? I, I don't even he's like, I believe this diagnosis. So for for actually the first few months, he was at the healthiest time of his life. Like he had quit smoking. He was jogging. I mean, he was dating. You know, this was when AOL was a thing. But like he was in the <laughs> chat rooms doing his thing. And it was bringing joy back into our lives. And for this to be that sucky moment, again, taking us way into the spiral, we're like, oh, okay. I have a um, feeling that your brother and your dad were so connected that the, think about it, the asthma is in the lungs. Yeah. And yeah. I think your dad never recovered. Obviously, how could he? No parent that loses their kid recovers. I think that's what manifested in his lungs. Oh, it's so true. The, the immense grief that you're mm-hmm. probably carrying as a parent. And, you know, we, we have so much now that we can, which is why, I, of course, it, it's informed what I do so much in emotional advocacy. But back then, especially as a immigrant dad who lost his wife, where you're only accepted in society if you have your wife there. And so while he was progressive, I mean, there were just no words to, to talk about or even sit with a tragedy of like losing a wife and then a son, and then now you're diagnosed with this. And so there was, and to, to actually add on, cause you know, this is the heel squad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people had mentioned that my brother was very close to my mom because it happened a year after. Um, you know, and, and that he was just, they were just angels that wanted to, you know, together together. And that, you know, has given me so much solace and, and peace and, and knowing, and, you know, fast forward to even some of the healing that I've dove into, of course, after my pivotal moment of my 
my tumultuous divorce and, and marriage, um, you know, was really through psychedelics and really some of these plant healing journeys where I was able to reconnect with my mom, my dad, my brother, and n- not just one time, but many times, um, which informed me to actually leave my lucrative career as a, as a cosmetic dentist and, and understanding that they're, that they've always been, you know, championing, championing me on and cheering me on to the next stage of whatever that was for me, because, you know, as a, before I was 20, I, I lost all three immediate members of my family. And so a lot of times if you're already, just going through the woes of, all right, what am I going to do with my life? But then again, you've lost the closest people to you. I mean, I, I hadn't really put to words what that looked like until just recently, until I actually got into motherhood and, um, you know, finding love again with my new love partner because I saw the contrast because there's a direct contrast of, oh, wow, I don't think I've ever experienced this kind of joy in my life, even, even through the hardships of moving from LA to Austin, even through the hardships of, um, you know, having so much anxiety around being a new mom because I didn't have my mom mm-hmm. and all of that grief and just the, uh, the pressure of, of wanting to do things a certain way because you feel bad because your mom couldn't do it that way. And so all of that I was energetically dealing with, but I'm like, Oh wait, this not isn't as nearly as bad as the the stuff that I went through in my teens and my early twenties. Um, and to celebrate the contrast of, of, of the beauty in that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I, I feel very connected in, in the closest way I can, obviously, um, I didn't have that happen, but, um, you know, losing my mom, it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't believe that there's so much joy in my life now, a year and a half later. And sometimes I walk around and I'm like, you know, I think people mourn their mom for way longer and they suffer for such a long time. So then I'm like, should I be suffering or should I be, you know, but I think that if my theory is like, I mourned her properly. I really gave it the time And I sat in all those feelings when it first happened. And I feel that same joy right now where I'm just like, I am so grateful that there is life after, but you don't ever think there will be. No. (laughs) And, and I'm so glad you're bringing that up because it's, I mean, I know that like, it's still so new though. Like you just lost her last year and it's so new. And, you know, people even ask me when they've, when they've lost a parent, even a sibling. Um, And by the way, I never wanted to be known as like this great person (laughs) expert. Like I've, somebody was like, you'd probably get the EGOT. If, if you were yeah. the, yeah. the EGOT of like grief or something, trauma Olympics. Uh, but I, 
you know, just recalling even my brother who was a big jokester. And for so many years after his death, I thought, okay, we like there's, we, we shouldn't be celebrating. We, we shouldn't because, oh my gosh, he died on this day. And so even, and he died on my brother's uh, my youngest brother's birthday. And so for years it was so ambiguous for me. Cause I'm like, we want to honor him, but then may, you know, and so until I got to the realization while I was older of, of course we should celebrate you. Like my brother, Vinay, like, of course we're going to, and we're going to honor DJ as well. And why should we stop living our life? Like he was the jokester of the family. Like let's infuse his energy and his presence here. But because there is all of this, this idea of the way to grieve Mm -hmm. and the way to like that we should just lock ourselves up in a, you know, I don't know, in a, in a, in a closet and lock up all of those feelings with, or it should be so stoic that I didn't really understand how and the, and I don't know if you felt this, but the guilt of even just having fun yep. and until, you know, later on I learned, well, actually, yeah, of course mom would want us to have fun. Like we, we need to be living our lives. Like we're not going to be grieving all the time. And, and that's why, you know, I wrote the book, like that's not like how to embrace the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess. Because if I look back in my teen years, I recall a time when I was like, you know, I was just getting off of the, the, the bus, getting into the hospital, but there was like a, a cute guy as a barista, you know, the, the, the <laughs> hospital cafeteria that was giving coffee and tea and I would take it upstairs for the nurses and, you know, to, to sit, but I'm like, oh my gosh, oh wait, did he just look at me? You know, like there's that sliver of joy mm-hmm. that would spark aliveness in myself, even while I was mourning and, and to count some of those, especially for people right now, listening or watching that is like in the suck, there can be those slivers of, of joy that just pull you back to your humanity, to feel all the feels. And they're totally valid and they're totally okay. Um, but also like, I think as I look back, cause I was my mom's caretaker for five years. Um, and I kind of stepped away from most everything and gave her all of my time. There were a few little things I would run out to do, but I gave her everything I had. And there were moments where I'm like, am I throwing my life away? And instantly the download would come, no, you're exactly where you need to be. And so did I ever think in my life that I would be leaving like entertainment news and go on these brain tumor journeys with myself and my mom and, and then be finding my way through health and the show and finding my way to my purpose, which my purpose was always to help people. I always wanted to help people. And my books and everything I did was always about helping people. So aside from what I did in the regular kind of career world, that was always a through line. And all of those painful steps took me to where I was supposed to go. And so, you know, I, I, I actually now know when bad things happen, when (laughs) that sucked, I'm like, oh, okay this is leading me to something else. It's a pivot point. So God's pivoting me right now. And yeah, it's going to hurt, right? If you're, if you're, you know, you're thinking you're going this way and now you got to contort your body and go over here. Okay. It's going to kind of hurt. 
where am I going? I wonder where I'm going. I wonder what's coming. I wonder why this is happening. And through the tears, you know, through the pain and, you know, how can I handle anymore? Why is this happening? We think all those things, but then I go into kind of like research mode and, and analyzing mode. Like, okay, what, what could it be? What could it be? And then sometimes the answer comes and you're able to then lean into it. So I feel like for you, this was all just a setup for the Dr. Nita that is today that is able to be so empathetic and so helpful to people on their painful journeys. And that's why shit has to happen to you and a lot of shit. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of shit. Yeah. To, to actually, you know, find help others find the magic in their mess. And, you know, it's interesting. It, it's, it, it's kind of this life curriculum now that I talk about in, in one of the one of the frameworks and the the things that I've been sharing more and more is, you know, what happens after the suck? Because there's one thing where, okay, you have a sucky moment. And by the way, it may not be, we're talking about death and grief and losing our parents right now, but it could be a breakup. It could be getting slighted by a really good friend that you thought was going to be like your ride or die. And like, yeah. what just happened? I've had that happen recently. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. You're like, oh, but you know what? Here's the cool thing. I will say when you've had a lot of shit happen, the hits get easier. I, it, I, yeah. you can't even knock me off my feet anymore. And now it's like, I just take the hit from Tyson. I'm like, yeah, what else do you got? Like it's and so you get the resiliency, which we'll talk about the bounce back factor and all of that. But, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it's like, that just happened to me too. Uh, well, I mean, and, and that's the whole thing of like allowing us to, 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 to play, to bounce because, you know, with those hits and I'm sure the best, you know, the best, um, analogy that I could talk about with this is, is dating, right? Because we've all had bad breakups. We've all had, um, bad partners. Some of us might still be in a season of that. And, um, where we're thinking, oh, okay, well, well, here we go again. Right. And I picked another person, uh, who, who am I ever going to find love again? And I think that it just makes us a little bit more resilient when we can actually look at ourselves and say, well, all right, that sucked. Now what? And using that as a mantra and using that as, because even in my darkest days, I would literally say, well, okay, that sucked. Now what? That sucked. Now what? Kind of like what you were saying. All right, what do you got? Throw, yep. throw another one at me. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but 
It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code HEELSQUAD for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code HEELSQUAD. Trust me, you won't regret it. What you got? Well, also, don't you believe or do you believe that if these patterns are continuous, it's the universe trying to teach you some lesson. So if you're in another bad relationship, you know, it's like I've been taught by so many different gurus, like thank that person that sucks so bad in your life because they're taking on the role in this lifetime of that kind of evil figure to teach you something, to help you. And, and if you can find your way through that, like for me, I had a really rough relationship with my brother and I had to get to the place where I acknowledged he's here to teach me something. And ultimately I forgave him and we've had peace for this last year or so. And I'm like, okay, this feels really good. And I'm really grateful for it. But you know, there are lessons that they're there to teach you. So if you are in a really bad relationship with your husband, maybe you're supposed to find your power and you haven't found it yet. And you're just going to stay in the, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse for a reason because you have to rise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's literally a chapter in, in the book. It's it's rising and that's stage two of, you know, when you fly forward in order to get out of the suck, because absolutely we're we're all mirrors to each other at the end of the day. And I think that many times, you know, even after my uh tumultuous relationship, I was celibate for a year and a half. I was like, nope, no guys. 
until, you know, I did the whole, uh, I, I traveled to Bali and it was a very healing time for me. And I went you know, across the world actually to 45 different countries. It was just like, I was on a mission and I was on a mission to heal. I was on a mission to sit with different elders and different communities. And I was just on, and you know, the self-healing journey yet, for me, it was every single person that I would meet on this journey had such a profound, you know, it could have been profound, but it could have been even, you know, a, a single mom on the street in Ecuador. Right. And so they're there to share and show us their wisdom. It's up to us if we're ready to actually receive it. Otherwise, the same lessons are going to be popping over. And it could be that person that you met at Starbucks that, you know, slighted you or cut you off in line, or that next person is like the person that you're sitting next to, um, at a bus stop or that you're actually working for, uh, that's not really giving you the respect or the dignity that you deserve, but you're constantly knowing that, oh, okay, there's, there's that, what's, what's the universe? Like, where is my role in this? And, I talk a lot about the personal responsibility that we many times shy away from when we're in the healing journey, because sometimes we get stuck in the suck and we get stuck in this, you know, the victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely there. I don't know if, you know, we were just sharing of like, okay, why me? Why is this happening? Especially when we're going through grief and death and, you know, just bad circumstances happening or friends betraying us. But then maybe we can reframe it to, all right, why not me? Like where, what is this showing me where it's encouraging me to leap to a different version of myself. And that's where, if we can turn that perspective, that's, I think, where the magic comes in. And that's where we can start to, you know, rise out of the suck or the fall that we've had. And the fall can look like literally a ski accident, a car accident, uh, any sort of, you know, accident that we have, or even um, a breakup, a transition, a life quest into where we can actually magnify. And when we're magnifying, we're, we're finding our new feet on the ground. We're knowing and accepting our reality where our reality is, is, is in the moment it's present. We're not thinking too far along the future, but we're actually saying, okay, here's where I'm at. It kind of sucks. I still feel kind of reserved. I don't feel like I could trust that person but I'm curious. I'm curious because I want to learn and I want to be better. And it's focused on the curiosity of, okay, what else can I learn instead of hmm, this person's out to get me? I don't think that's going to work out. Oop, red flag right there. You know, so we're leaning into this idea of, okay, curiosity, tell me more. What else could this mean? Personal. So, so will you explain to everyone the mirror effect? Oh, yes. So like, I feel like you and I are mirrors right now, too. <laughs> so and, yep. and I'll, I could just use that as an example, because right now you're, you know, in the way that you're even sharing how you're talking about your mom, it's reflecting back in me of, oh, yeah, I remember that first year out of my grief. And I remember that first year out of like, wow, okay. Yeah, there were moments where I would just break down, right, and and just have my days of like, whoo, heaviness. But who we are and who we encounter, 
were perhaps many times meant to, I like to say collide because, you know, if we're colliding in each other's orbits, there's something for us to learn uh, from that other person and the wisdom that they're sharing or the perspective that they're sharing if we're actually open, right? We could be meeting on the street and, you know, talking about our our fun sweaters and, and, you know, where we're going next for travel. And that could be it. But, you know, again, what wisdom is it that we're sharing? And and if we're open, even if it's not even a a harmonious uh, connection, what is it there that's meant for us to to learn? And I always kind of say, you know, like we can put our Sherlock Holmes like hat on and our magnifying glass on because there is maybe that small sliver that is just meant for us, a little wisdom nugget in, in everyone that we meet. And that's kind of, you know, my idea around this is like, if I accidentally bump into somebody at the airport or wherever walking to a coffee shop or something. I'm like, Oh wow. Okay. I think I meant to connect with that person. I meant to share, or I meant to say something to that person, right? Like it's not really coincidence anymore. And I don't know if you've felt the same way, but always the mirror effect where I'm like, Oh, okay. Or something I was scrolling on my feed and something pops up and just like, it takes me in, that is that mirror effect because energetically or intuitively, we're knowing that, all right, there's something there. And many times now I'll just write a DM or I'll stop and I'll ask the person a question instead of just brushing it off because it's so we're, you know, there's so many times in our day where we're just so in our head, Mm -hmm. trying to get to the next destination, trying to do the extra thing, trying to do all of these things. But if there's that reason why we bumped in the first place, so get to know that person and you might find that there is that magic there and something for you to kind of just gain from that wisdom that's being shared. That's so cool. Yeah. I have those moments so often where I'll be with somebody and I'll just say what I'm feeling. And then the floodgates open and it was something that they were meant to hear. And, and they're like, Oh my God, this was meant to be. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it was. Cause I normally wouldn't say this out loud and something told me to say it out loud right now. And so. It, it's so true. And I think a lot of times, you know, as we are sharing our vulnerabilities, it just brings even deeper connection, it, even in that, you know, spring of a moment. And yeah, that's what I love so much about just the shared vulnerability. And many times, if we're keeping things on the surface, we're, we're never going to get to that other person's now what moment, or we're never going to get to that person's like their magical moment that sucked because many times it is often, you know, the things that we're, we're, we're not sharing or sharing that then is like, wait a minute, that actually happened to me too. Or I'm actually going through that same thing as well. So will you talk a little bit about, um, the bounce factor? Cause you have four, um, steps or components to it. And, and I really like how you talk about resiliency. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll just start with resiliency as, you know, when I was, uh, and I'll just tell a quick story, but when, when I was growing up, 
I was taught to that, that resiliency was, was tough and it meant toughness and it meant, you know, having so much strength because of course, how can you reconcile all of the grieving and the death that's going around you and the massive uh, losses that's going around you. And so the elders and the caretakers around me would say, Nita, you're, you're tough. So be tough. You're resilient. So I grew up keeping all of my feelings in the back closet, <laughs> keeping up all of my feelings um, away because I'm like, okay, I have to be, I have to be tough. And so I was told, okay, big girls don't cry. And so it is not uncommon for someone like that to then say, okay, they're going to hide all of their emotions and lock them somewhere, you know, shove them on, under a rug, suppress them and, you know, keep it tight because the only emotion that is allowed is, is joy or fun or play. And until I couldn't no longer, um, hide it anymore, that it had no place to go. It was like bursting at the seams and I needed to actually ask for help. And so one of the ways that I define resiliency is, the audacity for you to actually break down, ask for help and actually allow somebody else to be in your orbit, to support you. And it's the intentionality that we are and that we can sit in with the darkness, but we can also find the slivers of joy and chaos at the same time. And those can all coexist all at the same time. So the, the, the chaos, the anxiety, the overwhelm, but the slivers of fun and excitement and curiosity that are also there. And when I talk about the bounce factor, it's really uh, this metaphor and curriculum for, for life after sucky moments, because we have to take into account our upbringing. And the first aspect of it is our upbringing, because many of us, and even, you know, in your friendships and your relationships and folks that you will encounter, even, you know, in, in our mirror effects when we go out in the world or even on social many times we're not asking about, okay, what was their upbringing like? We're usually just, it's a snap judgment that we have if somebody rubbed us the wrong way, but maybe even take into account our own lives, right? So for myself, born and raised with immigrant parents, I think a lot of people have that where maybe there were gender roles that were assumed that girls were supposed to do this. And, or in my case, little girls you know, strong girls don't cry. And so what were we told when we were young? So that is really our upbringing. And were we encouraged? Did we have helicopter parents? Did we have, um, you know, uh, tiger parents like my parents? Uh, and so that informs how we actually deal with stress, how we deal with bouncing back after tough moments. And uh, the second aspect of that is leaning into our current environment. What are we surrounding ourselves with? You know, a really quick story when I had lost my dad and the whole slew of, uh, of, of, of tragedy, I just 
told everyone I was, I, I, I was leaving. I applied to a study abroad, abroad program in Rome. And I begged my very hesitant and restrictive family members, my aunt, my grandmother to let me go because I said, okay, this is for school and it's to get into dental school. And so I actually got accepted, but it was the first time I would leave my little bubble of Chicago. I would leave that darkness. I would leave my home and I would be away from my family and and, you know, just that tension of grief for as, as early as I knew, because this whole journey started for me when I was 10 years old. And so I remember being 20 years old, stepping foot into amazing, beautiful Rome, Italy as oh. a college student. And I'm like, oh my God, I just felt so much liberation, but it was I got out of my current environment. I got out of, and it doesn't mean that everyone should go to Italy. I mean, you should, but if you can, <laughs> I mean, go down the street, you know, like grab a new perspective, try something different. And I kind of, you know, my, my mantra is like, let's suck at something new. But if we're, we're only saying yes to that, when we're being, when we're getting out of our complacency, when we're getting out of the stock to take action, and that sometimes and many times is increasing our dopamine and it's evoking a different way in our creativity, taking a stand-up comedy class. I mean, I remember that was one of the things I initially did, that in improv while I was reeling from my divorce and had zero confidence and zero confidence in myself, that definitely put me on, on the edge because I'm like, I don't know how to react. And oh, people are just going to say yes and play with me this way. Oh, great. So I don't have to be perfect. So, so that is your current environment. But then the third and the fourth aspects we've talked about a lot, which is your emotional capacity to feel and even how we started out, you know, this conversation we both shared. And just when you were sharing your grief, it just like, okay, it like allowed me to also express as well that this is a safe place. And I think find those people who allow you to stretch with your emotions, your ability to let it all out and they're not going to judge you and they're not going to, you know, it's all going to be welcome because all of it is all beautiful and it adds to the depth. And can we get into that juicy depth of our relationships to expand ourselves? And then finally, the, uh, this, radical self-awareness. So the fourth part is your radical self-awareness to actually allow you to make judgments and make decisions based off of what's in alignment for me right now. And are these friendships actually adding value to me or do I have to find a new, you know, support a new squad, squad. <laughs> yeah, a, new squad a new posse that's actually going to support you in your healing journey, in what you're actually looking for and to feel nourished and to feel seen. But that comes with your alignment with yourself, because I don't know about you, but I remember going through, uh, you know, some of these really dark times and you kind of see who your friends are, right? Like who actually are there for you, who actually are like no agenda, no transaction. Hey, love, I just want to sit with you because I know you're going through a really tough time. I mean, as a kid going through this, all I wanted to do was have, you know, fun and, and, and actually forget about all of that trauma because 
I wanted to fit in as a teenager. And let's be honest, teens don't really know how to grapple with like grief. We don't have the tools when we're younger. And so it was so, it was such an awkward conversation, but like fast forward to years and decades later where we're like, Hey, I am going through a funky time. You know, then you can actually see, well, who's there to support you and, and really meet you and see you for who you really are and not as just a friend for fun, but that can actually yeah. sit with you in the stock too. That's the thing that's interesting. I'll tell you, I had my ride or dies kind of disappoint me at times. Like they were amazing at some things, but then like there were other people who were like, let me just come sit with you. And I'm like, wow, like that's exactly what I need. And my other friends aren't giving me that. And so what I did and whether this is right or wrong, is I said, I don't think they they know how to do that. Like they're not those kind of people. So I had to kind of forgive it um, and, and say, okay, that's not really what they give, right? Like, you know, that there are people who show their, have different ways they show their love, right? We, we've got that whole prototype figured out at this point. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think it's interesting when you are a strong person, uh, that's the other thing I heard is, well, nobody knows how to show up for you because you never need anybody to show up for you. That is, that's big. And that's, that's huge. And I think that's, that lies in the beauty of the vulnerable ask of like, also, you know, we're talking about different kinds of friends meeting us with our different needs for sure. But then also our responsibility to say, you know what, you need a friend right now that could just sit with me and cry with me or just see me, witness me. And, and many times we, if, if, if we're so used to being all and being there for other people, then it is hard for us to actually even ask for that support mm-hmm. and ask people to support us in the way that we could feel supported. I think that's the other thing is, you know, we don't really practice that. And, you know, many times it's kind of like awkward or, or, or very vulnerable if you've never really done it. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, you know, everyone listening could actually incorporate that in, in their life and see what, what happens when we actually have a courageous conversation and just say, actually, I, I know I'm always there for you and I'm always the one like bringing everybody together. But right now I just need to be like, I need a cry session. Yeah. (laughs) I need to be supported right now too. Yeah. Can they hold that space? And some people can't, you know, I've watched people that are really amazing in some ways in my life. And then, you know, very disconnected as, you know, in, in the kind of empathy role. And so, and, and I'm like, oh, that's the work that they need to do on themselves. Right. It is an interesting thing. <laughs> it's it's challenging to deal with no matter what. You know, it it is. And and I love that we're talking about the ways that we can uh dive in with our friendships because, you know, many times, yes, by by asking and by sharing, we get to see the kind of friend bucket that they're in. And we get to see like, okay, this person just is is there as like my uh 
my going out, having fun and, and, and going to nice restaurants kind of friend. But maybe there is that friend that I actually didn't think of yep. in that way, but they're showing up for me in a whole new way. And maybe we get to deepen a bond with and a connection with someone that we perhaps didn't even, you know, think that would go in that direction or be empathetic or be compassionate or hold space for us in that way. And they actually do. And then you form a new, you forge a new friendship or a deeper relationship and bond that way. So I think that even in that vulnerable ask, um, you know, this is actually, you know, as we fly forward, one of the things I talk about in the book is to allow yourself to be seen, allow yourself to break down, allow yourself to, uh, and, and, and know that we have to have really good compassion for ourselves because many times if we're not having that compassion with ourselves, and we allow ourselves to break down in front of other people, and then they can't meet us, then we think we're a failure or we think something's wrong with us instead of keeping that intention and commitment back to ourselves. of like, nope, my, my, my people are there. My squad is there. My heel squad is around. I'm just going to choose certain people to do certain things with. And that's totally cool. I mean, we're not talking about like 10 people. It's like many times, especially when you're going through a healing journey, many times it's like one or two mm-hmm. solids and you're, you're good. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely, you know, I had a lot of challenging feelings to deal with through, especially even the last six months of my mom's life. And then I had to start forgiving people and realizing that they just aren't capable. You know, they did what they could and it's my fault for having any kind of expectation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, after brain surgery, I made this (laughs) little mouse pad (laughs) and I remember I was like, okay, no expectation, temper expectations is right here. Oh, I love that. I forgot that. But, um, as a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. You mentioned earlier, um, finding the magic in your mess. So I want you to go through that with everybody. Oh, yes. Okay. So, so I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit before. Um, and many times we won't even recognize, you know, the mess that we're in until we had a fall. And so, you know, the first step is, okay, what, what was your fall? 
what was the fall that happened? And step two is where and what does it ignite in you? Because step two is that ignition. Are you going to stay in that relationship? Are you going to leave? Are you going to stay in that job that you hate? Or are you going to leave? Is this going to be the year? Are you going to actually finally go and, and sign up for therapy, breath work, that coach? Or are you going to just sit in the suck. So most of us, when we're actually saying yes to this healing journey and finding our magic through our mess, there is that ignition point. And once we are ignited, well, we make that decision. And most of us just continue to sit in our suck, but a good portion of us get into the beauty of rising and rising is step three. And step three in rising means that, ooh, okay, I'm standing up again. I am standing up and it's kind of wobbly. It's weird. And, but I'm actually committing to sucking. I'm committing to charting new waters and accepting my new reality that I don't know everything, that this is a healing journey and that I'm I'm focused on whatever that is because I'm leaning through a lens of curiosity, not perfection. Curiosity and bravery is going to be this next chapter for me. So it means that I might be reserved in conversation with other people or in new healing squads or new communities, but I'm also curious. I'm, I might be nervous at sharing my story, but I'm also excited. And so again, inviting the duality of how all of those emotions and feelings can live at the same time. And then we get into magnifying. That's step four. Step four is magnifying because we're actually leaning into the suck. We're starting new ventures. We're trying out new things because we've accepted where we're at and we can't really lose anything. And when we're magnifying, we're actually recognizing that our story was always meant for us. Like that thing didn't happen to us, right? It was always for us. That person that wronged us, they were just telling us a little bit more of how we need to be gentle with ourselves, or compassionate with ourselves, or love ourselves in a different way or speak our truth. And so when we're magnifying, we're building this newfound confidence in who we are actually becoming. And step five, when we get to thriving, Thriving just means that, okay, you are really unapologetic in the way you walk in the world. You are setting boundaries that really serve you. And you're not really leaning into what has worked before. And when you actually do have another fall, you're laughing it off. <laughs> you're able to make fun of yourself. You're able to brush it off and actually say, all right, well, that sucked. Now what? But, and also it's not even about you anymore. It's about other people. Maybe you volunteer, maybe you sign up to do, um, you know, a, a missions trip or get with a bunch of girlfriends and go clean up the beach on a Sunday. You know, you start new things, you start that podcast, you start posting on a different channel that you've always wanted to, you start writing that book, but you're trying out new things without this expectation <laughs> that it needs to go a certain way. And it's because it's part of your healing journey and you want to help other people at the end of it. So that's the, that's, that's thriving and, and really finding that magic through all of the tiny little messy steps along the way. It's a really nice way to crawl out. I feel like, <laughs> right. Good steps to kind of crawl out of victim. Um, because it's, it's really hard not to be in victim. I was saying 
to someone yesterday, you know, you, and you stay in it because you keep having the conversation multiple times with multiple people. You have to keep every time it's like, Oh, let me tell this person. I got to tell them my story. And so you live in it. Um, Kelsey, I want to go to you because you had a really great question this morning and I want you to ask Dr. Nita so that anybody who's listening, who might be feeling the same way can get a good answer. Yeah. I just feel like, and Marie, you kind of addressed it, you know, at the beginning, but it's like, we hear this message a lot, right. Where it's like, you got to break down to have the breakthrough. And I feel like something for me, and I know I, hopefully I'm speaking for our audience when I say this is like, when I am in that dark place, like that stuck place, it's almost impossible for me to get out. Like, I don't know what like actual tangible steps like to take or do when I'm in that like stuck place. And I would love Dr. Nina for you to kind of address that. Like even like the something little I can like do to be like, okay, I'm down, I'm dark. Like what can I do to get like out of that, out of that stuck? Did the steps she give you just now, did any of that resonate for you? Yes, but I still feel like sometimes it's hard. I need to like put it into my own life into practice. Like for me, hearing things, I'm like, okay, but it's, I don't know what it is about like having to maybe, I don't know, go home and like try it, like try it next time I'm doing that. Cause like it does resonate. It absolutely does. But until you like maybe try and put it into practice, I'm not sure if it's going to work. I don't know if that makes sense. To me, I rip out that page in the book and just keep it on the fridge. So every time something happens, I know I have to go to the checklist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, and I love that we're bringing this up because there is an emotional release practice that I, you know, I have in the book that I think is to your point, Kelsey, probably what we're talking about, because when we're activated or when we're triggered and we go into the spiral mode, uh, we go into victim mode and we're like, mm-hmm. oh gosh, that thing happened. Or I totally bombed that presentation or, ah, okay. Why is that same thing happening again to me? Yeah. And we're, we go into this victim spiral. And what I like to call it in the book is like that pity party for one, where it is our party. We, we do some retail shopping and we kind yes. of, uh, we, we sulk our miseries and, 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 and we probably shouldn't have bought that anyways. And instead, what if we just take a moment to, because it, we're, we're constantly all about like, how do we get out of it? But what if we actually allowed ourselves to embrace the sock and actually feel like, what does that actually feel? Because many times, if we're conscious about the feeling that's coming up, whether it's, all right, feeling, okay, I feel, I'm feeling jealous right now, or I'm actually tuning in, tuning in the aspect of the, the, the bounce factor, you know, the awareness. Okay. I am feeling really scared right now, or I'm feeling really nervous. Well, where am I actually feeling that in my body? And many times if we stop and instead of judging our feeling like, okay, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Allow yourself to feel it, feel, get, get into the suck, embrace the suck. And I actually even have a whole page of, you know, the first step is to allow yourself, close your eyes. And what I like to do is put your hand, you know, put my hand over my heart you can put your hand over your heart. And for me, it is a physical response. It calms my nervous system. So it calms your nervous system when you actually have a physical 
element to remind yourself to breathe because guess what? We're human (laughs) and these things are going to happen. We are going to spiral. It might happen later on today. It might happen tomorrow. It might happen on the drive home. But when you put your hand over your heart and you're catching yourself and you're reminding yourself and you're noticing, Ooh, how am I breathing right now? Is my breath shallow? Am I breathing at all? Oh, okay. So that can be your physical representation of like, Hey, slow down. You got this nothing bad is going to happen. And if it is, all right, we got this. So you're actually telling your brain and your body, you're doing the whole mind-body connection of, all right, let's slow down, let's breathe and take a deep breath in so we can breathe and just allow whatever is happening to happen. Where are we feeling the energetics? Where are we feeling the the stuckness? Maybe it's in our lower back. For me, usually when I'm in my head a lot, I start to feel it. Like I start to feel the tension headaches on my temples. And so I notice that. All right, well, how can I draw back that energy back to myself? And I'll do a couple, I'll do three rounds of embracing. And it's just like a embrace, embrace the suck, embrace the suck. So we're just and on the exhale, you're counting out three, three times. Okay. And I have it all listed in the book, but what that allows us to do is it allows us to calm our nervous system. It allows us to bring back into our sense of our body, because most of the time we're thinking about what, what, what didn't go well. We're thinking about how we effed up again. We're thinking about how, oh, that shouldn't have happened, but it did. And that's okay. So let's bring it back into the body and feel it. And then let's start to release it. So for me, I'll put on a ridiculous song and for, for, for folks who have been following me for a while, you know, I have this like crazy, ridiculous playlist of different kinds of songs. And because my kids are little, and if you don't have kids, that's totally fine. Um, it's literally called Dinosaur Dance by Cats and Boots. <laughs> and I'm sure I will get a, another playlist of ridiculous songs that are for adults. But if you don't have kids, that's why it's even better because then we won't judge ourselves. We won't have, you know, this perfection in our brains that like, oh, I have to do this thing right now. And it's another thing that I have to do. But put on a ridiculous song. Literally, it goes dance with me, dance with me, dinosaur dance, and and like literally dance like a T-Rex, flap like a, a, a pterodactyl. And you're like, what the heck is she saying? And that's the point. It's ridiculous. And so it gets you out of the funk because mm. guess what? The next two minutes, what are you going to do? I want you to flap your arms like a pterodactyl. I want you to actually stand up and stomp around. And when we're actually standing up and we're stomping or jumping or shamanically shaking, whatever floats your boat to this ridiculous song that I'm going to have you play. And Maria Kelsey, just add it, add it, add it to the show notes because it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, but it allows us to actually not take ourselves in the situation so seriously that we actually can stomp out and change our energy because we're getting up, we're moving, we're shifting, and maybe we're shaking along the way. And then we come back and we integrate and breathe 
And we do another round of three breaths where we're exhaling longer on the output because that also calms us down and it integrates, all right, what the heck did I just do? And what did she just tell me to do? And then that way we can reset. It's just our reset and it's a quick reset. We could do it for, I've had people do it on stages for two minutes. I've had people do it for 30 seconds. You can do whatever, choose your own adventure kind of a thing. But I know that that's been a fun way to immediately get out of the stuck. I like that. I, um, I danced to Paddington bear twos, um, (laughs) shake, 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 Sinoda, shake your body. I do it all the time. It makes me so happy. And it's a little cartoon movie that just makes me so happy. It's a good, that's a good one, actually. That's yeah, a it's one. a really good playlist. one. Yeah, you can <laughs> add that that's to your playlist. It's good too, because it's like, I think we often forget. I know for me when I'm in that space, I'm just like you said, it's like, I'm just spiraling. So I just, and then I get in that dark place and then it's like, so you don't ever think to stop. And I remember growing up, my mom, when I would have panic attacks, would always be like, Kelsey, lay on the floor, breathe. And now it's all just kind of clicking and that would always help me. It's like, if you can stop and remember just to breathe. And then, like you said, move it out, move it out of your body, like laugh, put on a funny song. I think that that's really helpful. And now I'm going to remember that every time. So thank you. Yeah. And your mom was really on point with that lay on the floor. I mean, that's what I tell my four-year-old lay on the floor, (laughs) roll around. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, in the, in the beginning, as you're starting to evolve and grow and ascend, it's hard, right? It's no different than if you're on a diet and you're trying to lose weight in the beginning, it's hard, but I just have watched in my journey, you know, if you're focused, you can start applying things and then they get a little easier and a little easier. And then they become habits, just like our bad habits become habits. The good habits can really start to, to connect for you. And you have to, you know, do things that are going to help you remember. Like even yesterday, I realized recently that I forgot some of my AM and PM practices. So I made little colorful index cards. I put them on the mantle where I say my prayers every night. And now I remember every night that I want to make sure I do my gratitude list, make sure I ask myself, what did I do that was loving to me today? What did I do that was not so loving to me? Like taking stock of the day, celebrating the wins and So I'm like, okay, how do I stay on track? Okay. I got to write it down somewhere. I'm going to see it and, and that will help. So I think that, you know, Kelsey, for you, if you're trying to figure out how to handle the lows, it's writing down some of the steps. Dr. Nita said, put it on your fridge, put it somewhere, and then just start training yourself to go there when you are sad. Okay. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to play the dinosaur song. Cause I got to shake it out, get it out of my body. Now you're feeling a little better. Okay. Now you can start to ask yourself the questions that she's asking and, and finding that magic in the mess and, and figuring out how to climb out of it all. But you know, all of these things take a little bit of work, but it, it, it does work in the end. It's just new habits you have to create. And I think also being gentle in the process, because if we're judging ourselves and like, oh, okay, this is a new habit that I want to create, then we kind of fall on our 
like, oh my gosh, I was supposed to do this, but then I didn't. Instead of just having the intention of, okay, yep, I have my journal and I have my my favorite pen and I have my little candle. And when I'm having these really big, tough moments, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to light a candle. And it could just start with a small, tiny ritual, just like that, lighting a candle or, you know, drawing in my journal or saying whatever words come up. I love that you use your, your mantle at the end of the day. And it's one of the reasons why I think I might've sent you guys the, the, that suck now what the affirmation cards, but it's one of the reasons why we created them is because, okay, there's a sucky moment that can happen, but it's just even a reminder to turn it around. And there's like one tiny little action step. And it's great because that's just kind of a loving way to like honor yourself because when we're starting something new many times and we want to create a a habit of journaling or a habit of, of gratitude lists or a habit of just our wind down time before we go to bed, It can be exhausting, but we're beating ourselves up if we miss a day or two or if we miss a day of our gratitude and then we think, oh, we can't get back. But what if we just reframed it and said, tomorrow I'm going to start again. Tomorrow I'm going to start again. Tomorrow is going to be that now what part. All right, tomorrow's now what? And now what's going to consist of here's where it is. Because when we keep it so big that it has to be a certain way, that imposes restrictions. That means that we can only do it that way. And if we fall off track or we're just having a bad day or a bad season or a bad month, that it doesn't mean that, you know, game off, (laughs) we could actually get back on the train again and reintroduce things that what I like to say is, you know, uh, it, it's nourishing for the season and you can give yourself permission to choose to do those things or opt out of it and, and do something else. But I think the intention is there. And when we have the intention, that's where organically those habits start to take place. Yeah. I think that's a really great point for everyone because it's, we do, no matter how hard we try, we are going to fall off the wagon or whatever someone wants to say, or just, you know, have a busier season. And some of those things kind of fall to the wayside, but you can always find your way back. And yeah, giving yourself permission to find your way back. I think that's the big thing too, right? It's like, uh, you know, it might not be every day, but maybe at the end of the year, when you look back, we just did a reflection exercise and we usually do this at the end of each year to, to see the, you know, the, the three things that worked well or, um, highlight points of every month and to actually write it down. And then you're looking back and you're like, well, actually, oh, okay. I, yeah, that conversation that I had with my, my brother in July, that actually helped me have another conversation with my coworker in, in November. And yeah, and that added to my bravery. And so when we're doing that audit at the end of the year, or six months, or you know, at the end of each quarter, we can actually see how much we've grown. And you never know, you're, you're probably like, oh yeah, I, I actually kept up with my meditation practice six months out of the year, that's actually pretty good average, right? And so it's it's small steps and like the increments of our growth and expansion if we're not tied to an actual like, I'm going to wake up every day at 5 a.m. and do this thing. Because chances are we're, we're just not going to do that. We're human. 
I know. I um I want to actually get for we do this little like five minute show called Monday Motivations and Intentions. I want to get kind of your daily process for that. But first, I just want to say thank you for um for taking the time to be with us today. The book is called That Sucked. Now what? We'll put links to everything in the summary of this episode. Um, and hopefully this is the first of many conversations. Oh my gosh. Yes. Maria, I loved it so much. And Kelsey, you too. You're such a queen. Love that. Learn yes, from the best. Is. Learn you from the really, best. Thank you. You really are. Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. That was such a beautiful convo. Um, all right. That was an amazing conversation. I loved hearing her, um, share her story and, and kind of how she, climbs out of challenges because I think we all need that. Kelsey, I know that she gave you some tips that, uh, I don't know. Are you, I love hopeful. I, yeah. I, yeah, very hopeful. I think one of the hardest things I know for me is to actually sit in my feelings. It goes back to what you guys were talking about, about like being the strong one and big girls don't cry. And I never felt my feelings and I have a lot of feelings. And so I think that like exactly what she was saying, like sitting in the stuck and the suck both, but then like kind of being there with yourself and taking care of yourself. Like that's something that I can consciously do. And I absolutely will do next time. And it's not hard. It's like, you know, it might be hard the it's first hard. time no, it's to hard. get into it. Yeah. But I think for, I don't know why for me that felt easier to do than some of the other stuff. I was like, oh, I can sit there with myself and, you know, love on myself and throw on some music. Um, but yeah, it really, it really helped me. I really, I liked it a lot. Everyone do the dinosaur dance exactly. or get the Paddington Bear 2 song. I love it. There you go. Um, so hopefully this is helpful for you guys. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe and join us on this healing journey every day. If you're listening, thank you for being with us. We love all of you. And we're so grateful for you guys being a part of this heal squad. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends, and if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you, and Finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. 
So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.